Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, joined by the man, and I don't know what color, color of blue is that, kind of a powder blue. It's, it's, it's some blue. I don't know what it is, but it's I'm having blue, But it's very, very nice, Spencer. Uh, Spencer Horn, how you doing? I'm fabulous. How are you doing, Christian? I'm doing well, and uh, congratulations once again, battling the LinkedIn technology gods here at the last minute to get us all connected. What the heck? I'm sorry. All our listeners, we had to do a last minute login and, and then I had it up on my computer. So fail today. Forgive me for that. <laughs> it's all good, but we're not failing because we have an amazing guest, Spencer, to talk yes, about a do. super important topic. So Spencer, why don't you go ahead and introduce her? Yeah. I mean, today we are talking about micro stress and just the impacts of that. And yesterday I was talking to one of the most amazing people that I happen to know. And I did not realize all her expertise in this area of stress. And I'm like, we can't be talking about this without, without that kind of level of expertise. And so she graciously agreed to join us. And that's none other than the amazing Lindsay Van Sickle. And so I want to share our listeners uh, a little bit about Lindsay. Um, Lindsay and I met through the National Speakers Association. And I know you met her as well here. And uh, you know what? She's just an incredible individual. She's a great leader, entrepreneur. But I'm going to read a little bit about her bio because I want you to, to know a little bit more about her expertise. And she's a certified burnout speaker. So she speaks to businesses uh, around uh, the country, and she knows what it's like to live under immense pressure and sees how the stresses of our day block productivity and passion. And it's so true. Her keynotes and hands-on focus of life's unsaid, those little unsaids, are the real cause of, of burnout. And uh, to, to, to help professionals get back to their original passion is really one of her passions. So Lindsay is the author of The Black Book, and she serves on the board of the National Speakers Association. I'm so excited to have her on, on our board of National Speakers Association Mountain West chapter. She is a passionate wife and a mama to four. So awesome. And has a love of speaking and outdoor adventures with her family. And they have a dog named Cubby, who is really more of a rug than a dog. Do you never take him on those outdoor adventures or her? We do. We take him out in the mountains right by us. And oh, he loves it. He lounges around. <laughs> well, welcome, Lindsay. We are so, so glad to have you. So tell us a little bit about this, this black book that, uh, that you have called The Black Book. The black. Well, thanks for having me on. I just, I love working and being with you too. Well, The Black Book, it's all about micro stress. I've been so excited. We're talking about micro stress because it's these little things every day that we don't acknowledge, right? That's micro stresses, someone saying something to us or feeling a certain way. And after a while, those things are what pile up. And the black book is designed to release all of those, to acknowledge the micro stresses before they get so heavy, all that heaviness of stress, right? Well, Absolutely. Go ahead, Christian. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, what really prompted this discussion was uh, an article that appeared recently in Harvard Business Review by Rob Cross and Karen Dillon uh, that's focused on micro stress. And I wasn't really familiar with it. I mean, we've all heard about stress, but this thing called micro stress, I, I, it was kind of a new thing to me. And, and now that we have the author of the black book that talks about this, I'm really curious, you know, in your opinion, in your view, Lindsay, what's the difference between the two? What's the difference between what is a micro stress and what's the difference between quote unquote micro stress and regular stress? Well, do you ever feel just you the pressure that's built up and like that we were just talking about, or you're just like, I feel really stressed out or maybe anxious, but you say, I don't, nothing huge has happened in my life. Nobody died, nothing. I don't know why I feel this way. Like we want some big reason, right? Those would be those big stressors in our life. You know, a parent getting divorced, a losing a close friend, a major illness. You know, we all go through a lot, of, a lot of these things, but what about all of those just little day-to-day -day things that those unsaids, like we said, because it really is 
the things we don't say that over time build up and build up and you can start to feel like you're holding these closet doors shut that are just bursting that's how real those micro stresses can be when not looked at well, I mean, I, I love that, that you're, it's just something that we're no, normally not paying attention to. I mean, and a lot of people right. that are high performers, and I know you and your husband as entrepreneurs are managing businesses and you just kind of go through the day grinding and doing what's expected of you. And it's like, well, that's just what we got to do. We've got to deal with the, the, the challenges and, and you're, you know, entrepreneurs, you're the boss, but what about those stresses that come from caring and worrying about your people and making sure that they have enough hours that they have, you know, that you're developing them, that you're, that, that you're helping them to succeed. I mean, those are little things that, that you carry and that you worry about and you think, well, that's no big deal. That's part of my job. But those that start little things start to add up. I remember, uh, Lindsay and, and Christian, I, you know, one of the things that, Lindsay and I bonded over a little bit is our uh, joint association with a company called Rapport Leadership, where I used to work there for seven and a half years and uh, was was the CEO. And I remember taking over in that role as the CEO. Now, I was the boss, but I don't think I really realized over a year, a year and a half, all of those micro stresses starting to add up. And it had a negative impact on my health, on my mental well-being, on my family, uh, on my employees because it's circular. I mean, it, it creates impacts throughout the the entire organization and team and everybody that associates with us. And I remember my wife saying, she's just praying that I that I, something would happen for me to leave. And something did happen. And Lindsay, when I left, I had all of a sudden I had this time and I started mountain biking and I felt guilty. I felt my gosh, I'm taking time for myself, which I hadn't done in years. And all of a sudden I could start to think and ideas started coming to me. And I was like, I need to do this more because I didn't realize how much stress I was under. And I think a lot of high performing, hardworking people, this happens to, they just don't realize because it isn't that big thing that you talked about, a, a loss of, you know, a, a job or a, a, a loved one or something happened major in their life. It's just little things every single day that over time really add up. Oh, they do. That's a perfect example and story. I think we all find ourselves all of a sudden, how did I get here? We don't know what happened and we just, we feel the tension and we're not ourselves and it takes a little while to get out of it, but it's such a hopeful place to be when it, it's there's such simple things we can do in those places and to know that we're totally normal, right? We're all here to experience life, experience these pains and the pains, those really aren't the problem. We all go through them and feel them. It's more the ideas behind them and the letting them build up. So, so you talk about pain. So why is it that, that pain feels so bad? You know what? Right. <laughs> why it's is so that? It's so uncomfortable. Well, I like to think of pain as a sign. Pain is a sign of something coming up to be looked at, to be felt. It's showing us an area where we can bridge the gap between pain and move over to power. If we're willing to go there and see what the pain is showing us. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm hoping you're going to tell us how we're going to do that a little later. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I will tell you right now if you want. <laughs> I would like to know that, but I would actually like to understand from you a little bit, Lindsay, how you uh, how you came about this. I mean, was this something that you had focused on for your entire career? Was it a situation where I'm going through life, I'm killing it, I'm doing what I'm doing, but man, I'm feeling, I'm struggling, and I'm burned out. I'm I'm tired. Like, how did you how did you arrive at this place where you decided, you know, I'm going to focus here on this micro stressing. I'm going to write a book about it. Uh, I'm going to tackle this subject and I'm going to help people. I'll tell you what happened. I had a lot of my life where I would be super motivated, push hard and just crash over and over and over. And I got to a spot when it was in my late twenties, I had lived most of my life without letting myself really feel 
most of what was going on or even significant traumas, small traumas, those things, those unsaids that build up, like people wonder, well, where do these unsaids come from? Like they start from childhood not being picked for a team, not feeling yourself, having problems with a friend, right? And then we don't look at these things and I hadn't looked at them and I got to be a teenager and had a lot bigger things happening. And as an adult, the pressure and the weight that built up was just so high. I remember sitting on my bed one day uh, about 10 years ago, my legs are crossed, my journals sprawled open on my lap and I'm just planning to write in my journal these boring mundane details of life i had a couple kids at that time i could hear them running around the house and but those pressures everything that had just built up i mean every day i felt like i woke up and i just put this mask on this mask that just said everything's fine life's great i'm just gonna go about things like normal but what's happening inside I'm, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling all those unsaids. And that day I could tell that if I kept going down this same path of just pushing it all away, like is so tempting to do because it's painful, it's uncomfortable. I could tell I was going to end up in the same place I was. And I wasn't, I had run this, it had run its course. I was miserable. And I don't know if that's exactly why, but I told myself, I'm just, I'm going to say whatever this is, whatever, all this tension I can feel, all this stress, I'm just going to get it all out. I'm going to just say whatever comes. I don't know what it'll be. I told myself, it'll be fine. I'll just tear it all up. You know, but first I got up off of the bed. I tiptoed over the bedroom door. I like peeked out, make sure the kids weren't watching. I locked the bedroom door. It felt so like just, it felt scandalous to look at the things that I was feeling, what was really going on. And I got back to my bed and I just, I just scribbled out all those, the frustrations, the things that felt so unjust, the things I wished were different, everything that I had always said, no, Lindsay, that's not okay to feel, push it away. Everything I was so mad and so frustrated and so angry about, I just, I let it go. I got it all out. I scribbled it. It was three pages front and back. And then I just, I tore it into teeny little pieces, ripped it all up and peeked out the door again, took it to my outside garbage. And I just, I threw it all in there. And at the time, I didn't think any much of it. I felt a little bit of relief though. And looking back, that is the time in my life when things started to change. I don't know if you can imagine for somebody who never validated themselves, never acknowledged anything that was going on to suddenly give myself permission, like what we're talking about here to just say it all, to just get it out instead of pushing it away to stop fearing it. It all started to loosen its grip on me and the stress started to release a couple days later. Of course, I felt that the pressure again, the anxiety, and I grabbed for that journal again. I shredded through a few more pages of it. I switched to cheap notebooks eventually. And then a few years later, I created this black book because I was finally free with that permission. I started to feel myself, to feel happy, to feel confident. It was all of the things I feared that had their hold on me, not any of the pain, not anything that had really happened. Why do you think, Lindsay, that, and, and I, I know that people who are listening are relating to what you're saying, and I certainly do, that we allow those those feelings to, to build up and just ignore them? I mean, what's what's going on there, do you think? Well, think about our society. When we're going through a struggle, it's immediately, like, what's the first words that come into your mind, either of you, when you think of going through something hard in life? Well, you know, just deal with it, man up, or for, for you're yeah. talking to a guy, right? just, just push through and it, you know, it's going to get better or we'll, we'll get through this. Yeah. Or yeah. Get through it, hurry and finish it, move past it, let it go. Or, you know, sometimes we think what's wrong with me. Uh, and so we've learned from a young age, like avoid pain, pain is bad. And so 
But what if it's not the pain so much as those feelings of it being bad, of it being wrong, you know, something we don't want to experience. One of the fa my favorite things I love to think about is like, are either of you roller coaster fans? Do you love are you okay? Yeah. When I was okay. younger, yeah. When now you're, yeah. I, I, so I, I, I have to watch children on roller coasters, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I just was on. Time, I was kids. just on. The, I, I just went on the Accredit coaster a couple weeks ago, but my favorite is the Velociraptor at at. Uh, um, in Orlando, the uh, Universal Studios. It's it's that's amazing. scary roller coaster. Oh, I love it too. Keep my hands up the entire time. My arms are sore yes. because there's a lot of G's, man. <laughs> I love them too. My very favorite is Everest. Do you like that one at Animal Kingdom? I haven't been on In Everest. Okay, well, you get to the top, and all of a sudden, the whole track is gone. Like it doesn't look like it's gone. It's just it's gone. And then the car, you think you're about to go off the edge. And then all of a sudden you just, you start going backwards and you like shoot up this massive hill and there's this big drop and you go down. And what is everybody doing? Everybody's just like screaming in delight, loving it. Just it's the, we're all living our best lives, right? But like, what if sometimes some of the things that we experience here in this life that feels so painful or that are such a struggle, like, what if it was a little bit more like the roller coaster? It's just, it's a, it's a big draw, but it's, we're just riding it and then it's over. We don't get off the roller coaster and just be like, that was so stressful. I need to relive this. What does this say about me? I love like the emotions, the feelings. I love to just picture them. Like I'm going over the roller coaster and I'm, I'm letting it go. I'm feeling it. It doesn't say anything or like a wave just crashing over you from the ocean. You feel it. And before you know it, it's gone because we aren't meant to carry that heaviness about anything that we go through, about the things that we experience. Those are the experiences our soul craves. It's not something bad. Oh, now it's my turn to get stepped on, Spencer. Thank you very much for that. I'm actually curious from from both your perspectives, your your life experiences, Lindsay and Spencer. Uh, when you were having these pileups of micro stresses and you just weren't feeling right, uh, how did that not just impact you uh, emotionally and physically, but did that have impacts on others? You know, whether it was your family. Uh, people that you worked with on your team, et cetera. You know, how did those micro stresses kind of manifest themselves uh, over time in your life, not just internally, but also, uh, you know, with the people that were around you? Well, they took up all the space. What was that, Spencer? I said, you go first. Oh, me. Okay. They, it took up all that space. And so there wasn't a clearness, a clarity to bring in more of what I wanted. I felt very stuck, very shut down. I, I couldn't reach my business goals, not because I wasn't capable, but because there was all the space was taken. And when I was with people that I wanted to be, enjoy being with, you know, coworkers, my husband, my kids, I, I felt like I couldn't be present because that was always in my head, on my mind. In fact, the very, very first step, I believe, to being more engaged with the people you're with, to feeling more confident, to having a clear mind, is looking at those unsaids and acknowledging them. That's what will free your mind. Like, there's some real power. Yeah, I know for sure. And, you know, Christian, I'm going to share just two examples from uh, clients. And one was from a this project manager that had a, a team of five people and she cared about these five people very much. She was a great manager. She, I mean, part of the micro stress was just the anxiety of protecting her team from some of the other members of, of leadership. And, and so that took up some of her mental space and, and there came an opportunity for her to perhaps get a promotion so that she could be in a, in a role that would actually help her to 
to protect her team even more. I mean, this is how she was thinking. And so that was, those were micro stresses that were building up. The problem was, is that she was more concerned about being so behaving in a certain way that she ended up not getting the job because she wasn't willing to get a little more uncomfortable, but she was already experiencing the stress. And she just felt like if I just, if I just be the best manager I could possibly be, then it's going to work out for me. And, um, and she didn't really a- address a lot of the, you know, the stress that was happening and that prevented her from thinking clearly. And I'll talk about why that happens in just a second. And another uh, client of mine, this was a healthcare provider and the nurses were impacted by a doctor that would come in brilliant doctor, brilliant doctor, but he would come in on with different moods every single day. So none of the team knew what to expect and it created a tremendous amount of anxiety. So the nurses started putting a secret signal on the board, you know, where they have all the patients and the rooms that they're in. There was a little signal that they would put in that all the nurses would look at to know what kind of day it was going to be based on the mood of the doctor so that they could be prepared for that and deal with that, with that stress. Well, eventually those stresses build up and that doctor ended up having to go, but it had an incredible impact, a negative impact on the productivity of that team. And they had to go through a major transformation to, to get through it. But now they are just absolutely thriving. But at that time, Christian, it was terribly impacting their productivity, the, just how they worked together, how they felt about each other. And then they would take those feelings home, as, as Lindsay was talking about, it, it impacted their, their family. Here, here's just a, a little example of, of a microstress, right? So here's a, if you're watching, great. If you're listening, the, this is from the Harvard Business Review. And the, the example is Rita receives a late day email request from a new manager. Well, then she gets excited about that in terms of uh, more anxious than excited. So she's got to, to deal with this email. So she spends two hours of her evening alerting her team about this work request. The team has to get on it. They spend 20 hours after work hours getting everything ready to meet the new boss's demands because they don't know what, what he's going to be like. And, and then Rita's team is complaining to her about the new boss. And that's the, the secondary ripple. The tertiary ripple is Rita is short with her husband uh, after her stressful commute. And all kinds of things. They, they, she skips dinner with her son, so she misses out on family time because she's fulfilling the, the requirements of, of her boss. She's worrying about neglecting her family. That builds up. And other team members are experiencing similar things. So it just it has a ripple effect that goes on and on and on, Christian. It's like the butterfly effect. You know, remember that movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, some some small thing ends up uh, creating a huge a huge issue. So what do we do about it? I mean, okay, so we have these micro stresses. Is it just as simple, Lindsay, as writing it all out on pieces of paper and then shredding them up and throwing them in the trash? Or, you know, what can be done to to alleviate this kind of pressure that we're all feeling? Because I think this is something that we are all dealing with. It's not, I'll be the first to admit, I, you know, I'm not living like the happy-go-lucky everything's hunky-dory rainbows and unicorns kind of life i certainly this message really resonates with me which is one of the reasons i wanted to talk about it so okay i'm in this position i'm feeling that stress i'm ready to whip out my proverbial journal and start writing stuff out uh is that going to cure it for me or are there other things that i need to look at maybe spencer you talked about um you got outside you started mountain biking you started exercising you started doing things you know what are some of those things that we can do to kind of uh a, alleviate this acute pressure that we're feeling from these microstresses, and B, preventive measures that will allow us to maintain ourselves in a, in a, in a good state without allowing these microstresses to just accumulate again. Right. Well, there's a lot of ways to go about it, right? And Spencer going in the outdoors me with writing, with other things. The big key really, when you're in a lot of stress to feel more powerful, to feel more yourself, is that permission piece. Are you feeling things and it might not be in writing? Are you able to sit quietly with yourself? Are you able to take moments in nature or in your room or, and to ask yourself, what, if everything fell away today, what, what would I still be doing? 
it's those sorts of the questions, the quiet meditation, the being with yourself, the feeling what's really going on in your life that will start to release it because you're there with it instead of the avoiding. You're finding that permission. If, you know, the shred writing resonates with you, that's what I do most mornings to really acknowledge. But I like to be in thought. I like to, to feel, to go in nature. I know my mom, she, a huge thing she does is she goes on long walks and she'll like yell at the end of uh, this big, this empty cul-de-sac. You know, a coworker that I know of, she loves to just get it out in her car when she's alone. How are you going to give yourself permission rather than pushing away and ignoring? Those are great ideas. And I mean, I think one of the other causes of, of a micro stress is taking on too much. There are some people who want to help be a team player. And so when somebody is not doing their job, they're stepping in and filling that gap. So one of the ways to prevent that micro stress from building up is to learn how to say no and to be comfortable with that. And that's, that's hard for some people to, to not yeah. be that. I feel like I'm not being a team player, right? Christian, you're like, Hey, somebody's not doing their, it's just going to take me an extra 15 minutes. I'll just step in and do it. But the problem is that happens again and again and again, because the more you do that, the more you're empowering your team to let you do that. And so learning yeah. how to say no and letting them step up will be uncomfortable, but it will empower you to, to make sure that that stress is not building up because it'll get to a point where it'll, it'll blow if, if, you don't, uh, if, if you don't say no and address it early on. So that's one of the ways to do that. Also, dealing with this, get rid of the, the technology. I mean, I, as much as possible, I feel like I have some addiction to this stupid technology. And we're always on, we're always getting buzzers and bells and whistles and notifications. Turn those off. Go analog as much as possible. That's something I think is, is really important. And there's, and there's more. So that, did that jog anything else? Yeah, it just reinforced to me that um, we're all unique and we're different and uh, we'll have to find our recipe that will help us uh, to to deal with this. It reminds me of uh, when, I guess it was March when we had the Thrive Conference and we asked a question for NSA, you know, what's the biggest thing or most important thing that you've done to build a successful speaking business? Yeah. And 44 uh, people there at Thrive recorded videos answering that question. And they gave 24 different answers, like <laughs> very different answers. And and uh, so I think you're right. It's and it's OK, probably to experiment a little bit and find out what's going to work for you. So whether it's it's mountain biking or whether it's uh, the the right and shred uh, method or or it's just getting driving outside the, in that sun. You know, going for a drive and yelling at the top of your lungs in your car, <laughs> hopefully with your windows rolled up. Uh, yeah, whatever those things are, um, you can find those 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 things. And so I appreciate you all uh, sharing those those wonderful ideas. How do we keep them from coming back? You know, from resurfacing, or is it just one of those kind of regular maintenance thing? You just have to, you're just going to have to purge it. It's like spring cleaning. You just got to do it, you know, on a regular basis. You got to get rid of these things and, and not feel too bad about yourself. If some of these things pop up again. Well, as, as long as we're here and living, they're just going to keep coming back up in different layers. And every day we're a different person. So it's a new opportunity to see it in new light, to let go of more. So it's really that continuous. I mean, I imagine that first time I started to look at things and that shred writing was, was monumental for me, but doing it daily or every few days for the past 10 years, that's what's made it so that I've, that's what's really given me the power, the real power. And also just when I listen to what you're saying, Christian, and I love it so much, it just reminds me so much of trust. Like I know that myself, I'm going to, lead myself where I need to go to find relief for the stress. I know that I'm going to be okay and that I'm going to end up getting the answers I need and to keep following those and trusting that, you know, there's a, we have the answers that we need inside. Of course, the more I can lean on 
that and trust that, then I'll keep finding more and more relief and I just keep showing up for it. Yeah. Um, I want to dance. <laughs> right. You know, Christian, I, I think there also gets to be some acknowledgement that we cause stress for others, those micro stresses. So we're not only receiving them, we're, we're causing them. And as Lindsay said, as long as we're alive, we're going to continue to have them. So learning, gaining the skills to be able to manage them is really important because unlike regular stress, micro stress kind of flies under the radar. Our brain doesn't detect them. And so it doesn't respond in the, in the normal way of fight or flight with, with major stresses. And so they're allowed to build up and it has all kinds of negative impacts. I mean, I, as I was reading the article, it was really interesting. Even the food that we eat when we have this micro stress is not metabolized the same way. If you're on a, having a dinner at a, in a stressful situation, you will actually add, I think it said 110 calories to the meal just because so think of if you're going on a first date for those of you who are out there it's like if you go on a lot of first dates and go out to dinner you're going to gain weight and uh, so there's all this it's just going to happen so we actually have to be aware and what Lindsay's giving us is so great is is a tool to to continually do that if we need to do it but also recognize that we cause micro stresses I was, I got I got this to me, it's funny. I was actually speaking in San Diego on the stage and I'm high energy. And, and some people get a little freaked out by that. Lindsay, I mean, you've been through a report. It's pretty intense, right? And yeah. some people love it, but there was a lady on the front row. And, and during part of my presentation, she goes, you are stressing me out. <laughs> I just started <laughs> laughing. Was, I said, I am sorry, I'm stressing you out. And, and she had fun. We, we had fun with it, but. Uh, have, have you ever had a situation where somebody is, uh, well, I'm going to share a situation, like my wife is frustrated with me. And so she says something in a frustrated and I say, stop yelling at me. Or I'm, you know, I'm yelling back or I'm stressed back. And, and like, we are causing stress on each other all the time. So instead of one of the things I try to do, and I've been really practicing this, if I'm frustrated by something that somebody else is saying, I do not return that frustration in my response. I actually have to practice just in, in, in my own mind, just taking a breath and let go and remember, I love this person. Let me show that in how I respond, even though I'm feeling that stress, because I don't want to create that ripple effect going forward, because that's something I can very easily do. And I'm going to share one more idea. Um, so I have a, a client that I'm coaching uh, Lindsay, and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this. And he is so dedicated, so company man. He, he's not married, doesn't have any children. His whole life is the job. And he's a regional manager and he feels anxiety all the time. Why? Because his entire thought is about work, is about his team, is about the problems, is about, you know, what other people in at work think about him, about you know, the changes that are happening, his whole world is work. And so that actually builds up stress and anxiety. And so one of my suggestions to him was, you need to be involved in, because he's, he's active in his church, you need to be going out more with your church, you need to find, he loves gardening, get together with people who do gardening, find something outside. And he's, well, I don't want to spend any money. There are organizations, there are groups, there are there are Facebook pages that you can just go and find like-minded people to talk about things that don't have to do with, with work. Just to be, people can cause stress, but people can also help you to relax. And so being around other people, whether you're exercising together or you're part of a group of like-minded people, that helps take your mind off of some of those things that uh, might normally cause stress. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I love what you told him. And I'm still thinking about how the more I let go, the more weight I might lose and be even healthier. But um, <laughs> that was a good one, Spencer. Well, Just... it, even the, it even changes how we metabolize healthy food. Apparently, it turns it into, I, I didn't even realize that. So good food that you eat when you're stressed, actually, your body is is interpreting it as as bad food. And I didn't even know our minds could do that. But apparently, they can. And that's based on some of this research from this, this article it just blew my mind. 
That's so hopeful to me. I'm like, we have so much control over this stuff. It's not controlling us. It's so cool. Right. One thing it makes me think about with your friend is when we're stressed, we it's this natural human tendency to just put all of our efforts and attention there. And we just keep getting more of the same, right? Our efforts are on the stress and we get more stress. And it's so counterintuitive, but sometimes I'll tell myself, like, all right, I'm just going to go enjoy my kids and just, just be with them, even though there's a pile high of things to do. Or it's those little teeny things, like just listening to what a child will say or feeling like the grass on my feet or the feel of the sheets when I get into bed, like really noticing those feelings and just letting them wash over you. The stress washes away. It's so not what I would have ever thought, but you're totally right with that balance, bringing other things in, peaceful things, leaning into those. Suddenly these other problems with work that I'm not focusing on, they I find solutions because you I'm attracting this joyful feeling, right? And, and you, you are absolutely doing that. And you're also doing something else, which is you were saying, well, I just need to put aside that job and spend time with my kids. What happens sometimes is we are working under that stress and we actually are less and less effective. So we may be working more and more and more, but our brains aren't working. We're not even aware of it. Our ability to think clearly is diminished. And so we are working longer hours to get less and less done. And just by taking that break, by focusing on something else, we're actually replenishing our brain power, our energy, so that when we do come back to the problem, we have more energy, more clarity, more focus to get it done in less time anyway. So it's not even yeah. effective to work longer. Stop that. Come back. You'll get more done in less time because you have felt the grass on your feet and you will be replenished. That You need to do your little dancing. That is amazing. That is taking so long. That was a that was a little different dance. <laughs> I have to say, my son is very good at that. Um, one thing he's really really good at is time management, and and ever he started this actually when he was back in high school uh, because he loves spreadsheets, so he'd make this spreadsheet. And he would say, okay, I've got my time to do this, but he wouldn't give himself like a 10 minute break or a 20 minute break. He would give himself like a two hour break or something like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then for two hours, I'm just going to go play video games with my friend and we're going to have a great time. And then I'm going to come back to this. So he always made sure that he gave himself ample time. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to work for an hour and then take five minutes and then, you know, study for another two hours and then take 10 minutes. No, I'm going to study hard for an hour or two, and then I'm going to take one or two hours. And he's really, really good at that. I want to come back to something, uh, Lindsay, that you said uh, about trusting in yourself. I, I, I find that a really, really interesting concept. I've done a lot of interviews for people. I, you know, that's one of the things that I've done for a living is interview people to capture their stories uh, to share their experiences, whether it's personal or whether it's uh, on a, in a professional uh, setting. And, and sometimes they are a little bit unsure of themselves going in. They're a little nervous about it. And so I try to reassure them, say, hey, this isn't a test. It's not a performance. You're, you're, not, you're not trying to get nominated for an Oscar here. But the most important thing is what we're, what we're here to talk about is your experience and you are the expert of your experience. You know more about your experience than anybody else. So you can take comfort in that. And, and so I really like this idea of actually building up this trust in yourself. You know, I can do this. And so I'm curious uh, how you do that, you know, whether it's through having the conversation like, hey man, I'm just on the roller coaster of life and I'm just enjoying this up and down thing. Or, you know, what I was doing with with uh, with interviewees, you're trying to comfort them and, and, you know, just giving them a different perspective that, hey, don't worry, you don't have to don't be on pins and needles. It's totally cool. And, and you're among friends here. You know, how did you go about actually building this trust in yourself to say, hey, you know what? I got this. I, you know, it's not easy, but we, we're going to get through this and we're going to make it happen. 
I love that you value people's stories so much and pointing that out to them that it's not about an Oscar. We all have this peace inside of us that I know we've all felt. You can call it your higher self, your this really brilliant self, smart self. It's like that is who when we can let go, right? And we go outside, we let go and go do some fun things. Uh, we can feel those ideas come in, inspirations come in when we can trust uh, that we're not in charge of figuring out the whole world, right? The world, it's been going for so long, it's going to keep taking care of itself, but that we're, we get to live, we get to be free, we get to hand the stress off and trust that if there's something we need to know, that high self of us, I call my high self, will let us know and will lead us. And I tell myself, my highest self is always leading me where I want to go. And I keep finding that. And we know, we know those feelings and we follow them. And there's really so much less that we have to do than I ever thought. You know, we're meant to live joyfully. We're not meant to carry these huge weights, these huge burdens. Let it go, get it out of your mind, get it out and walk away from it. I've been amazed at things we can let go of. And then that creates space for the possibility. And that's what we're talking about with trusting trusting ourselves in that open space, following those things, and we'll get better, bigger places than we even imagined. That's, uh, you know, I, I, I love that. And, you know, I, I feel like we are built to carry and accomplish great things. Yet when we're holding on to so much in our mind space, we actually don't have the energy or the ability to do all those things that we were meant to do because we're holding on to so much that is not productive is kind of what I interpreted. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. know we're kind of getting towards the end, but I have some, I have some questions from some folks uh, on LinkedIn and Awana Blankenship. I'm just going to read her, her question here, teamwork. So this is a, the teamwork podcast. And, and what do you do when all the, all who are present struggle to try to become part of the team and are shuffled to the side at every turn? Awana, I'm not really sure uh, about what's going on, but it sounds like there's there's two things. People are struggling individually to feel part of the team. And secondly, maybe they're being pushed to the side and not made to feel part of the team. Anything coming up for either of you for, in, that, uh, in that comment? Can't hear you, Christian. Sorry. I muted myself there. Uh, somebody came in the door and was making some noise. Anyway, uh, I would say I, I would start out with uh, just acknowledging what our good friend, Dr. Paul Jenkins says is, is uh, you're perfectly right to feel what you're feeling. Right. So, so uh, don't feel any guilt or anything. You're like, why am I feeling this way? Uh, you're feeling that way for a reason. I don't know what the specifics are there, but I, I would start there by saying, hey, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Yeah. Uh, and But then I would hand over here to to the undisputed queen of uh, microstress over here, Lindsay, to, to give more salient advice. But I think it's important for everybody to recognize up front that, that um, uh, you know, don't, don't beat yourself over the head, you know, uh, if you're feeling the way you're feeling, you're feeling that for a reason and, and you're justified in those feelings. And then, you know, what do you do about that is, is, is the next step in the process. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, I picture this, uh, we're going about in our lives and at our work and there's, there's so much you can do, right? I, without the specifics, I picture it like, have you anyone seen that picture of Moses? Like he's parting the Red Sea. The sea is shooting up on the sides and you are walking down the center and you are focused on serving and your values and whatever's the very most important to you and your job. And the things that are happening on the side, the water shooting up, being chased behind you, those things will keep happening. And as you're driven in your focus, if the things that are happening aren't aligned with you, then that's a, a whole other conversation. Um, but that has brought me a lot of peace because the team, there's so much I can do in my own power to not take that on, to keep it uh, feeling positive and at a healthy environment. Great. I, I think that it's got to start at the top. 
that there's got to be awareness that leadership has of the impact that they have. And I talk about impact all the time. If leaders are not aware of that, then there needs to be some, some help. And, and sometimes there needs to be enough pain. You talked about pain earlier, Lindsay. Sometimes there's pain and people leave the organization. And if, if that doesn't jolt leadership into saying, hey, I need to take a look at myself and be aware of how I'm bringing people instead of putting them to the side, making them feel part of the team. One simple thing a leader can do is sit down with people and, and ask them, what, what would help you to feel more part of this team and to hear from them? And it just takes care, right? And we, part of eliminating some of these micro stresses is realizes that we all have difficult lives. And as it, management is one of the most noble professions ever. Why? Because of the impact that we have, not only on someone's profession, but on their whole life. People can come to work and be miserable, or they can love it and look forward to it. That's our responsibility when it comes to team, is to make people feel like they're a part of something and that they're important. And that takes time and connections and to build on your word, uh, Lindsay, trust. And that starts at the top. And when you do that, I think when we just start treating people like they're important to us and that we care about them, we want to know uh, what's important to them so that we can help align their values to our organization. And if they're not aligned, it might be a great thing for them to leave, but help them to find yeah. where they are aligned. A um, couple more comments from- uh, hey, Just LinkedIn. one more thing very quickly on that, Spencer. Um, I think that's great if you're, a, if you're the leader of the team. Uh, I gather from Moana's comment that perhaps she's a member of the team, maybe not the leader. So what do you do in that instance where you are a member of a team and you're feeling this sense of frustration? Uh, you don't feel empowered. You know, what can you do aside from what you said, uh, Lindsay, which is kind of focus on yourself and just take care of yourself and the things that you can control. Uh, but, you know, is there an opportunity? I guess it would really depend on on the, on the team itself. But is there an opportunity to kind of raise a concern tactfully with the leader um, because sometimes the leader is not aware. I mean, I've been in that situation and that, and that before where someone, someone, you know, came up and told me something and I'm like, really? That's, I had no idea that was happening. I didn't know that was going on. Well, we'll take measures to correct that. Um, and, you know, and sometimes, you know, we're, we're afraid. We're like, well, what happens if I go, I, I raise my voice, I raise a concern or am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be put on even less meaningful or you know, more meaningless assignments because I'm a troublemaker and I'm a drama? You know, you know those are those are kind of things you got to work through as a as a team member if you're not the leader. I absolutely think that's a that is a problem, and I think with with uh, Lindsay's ideas, that's that's going to be working on their own stress, right? And I, I before we go, I want to give us an example of how to write a shred uh, a journal entry, if you will. But we get to, we, we can only control what we can control. And, and some organizations, the trust doesn't exist for them to address, or they just don't feel that, that comfort. Well, what choices do you have? You can stay and suffer or, you know, or talk to them. And I mean, there's re not a lot of great options. And that's why I'm saying it's got to start at the top. Uh, yeah. Or you can hire Lindsay. Just call her and say, "Hey, you know what can I, <laughs> what can I do?" <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You said there were a couple of other questions, uh, Spencer. I didn't mean to cut you, cut you off there. I'm sorry. No. Here's a couple of comments. Um, so Mitchell was talking about your roller coaster comment, Lindsay. He's Mitchell Crocker, who uh, says there's nervousness and fear for some before getting on the roller coaster. Even some people are won't even don't even want to get on it. What would you say to that? Yeah, the those feelings, who's to say those are bad? It's kind of a fun feeling, right? The anticipation, here we go. And when I'm feeling nervous, I'll be like, isn't this a feeling? I got to I got to feel this in life. Wow, like where is it going to take me? I'm not going to die. And then you go on the roller coaster and you it's joyful and crazy and I love thinking about that, the anticipation before. Uh and then just Carla Klein from uh, Quebec. She is, I think that's where she is. She just says, uh, great suggestion, disconnecting from technology to give ourselves some space to breathe and rest. So we always appreciate when our listeners uh, comment live and 
And uh, sorry, I didn't get those a little more more timely. So we're running out of time, Christian. I would love to hear an example of just, I, I know you shared how you did it, but what what can what can we do to use this methodology to just let go of that stress? I mean, how how do we begin to journal? What do we do? I can tell you super quickly. Get out a piece of paper if you want the black book that has the prompts that have been proven to work. You can use that or paper, and ask yourself, what am I avoiding right now? What am I pushing away? What am I fearing? And something will come up. Sometimes we even do this live on podcasts. We won't today. And then just you set the timer for 10 minutes and you free write. There's absolutely no judgment, no spelling. Just write, let it all flow. Get it out of your mind. Scribble it out. All the things that you're scared of that you feel like maybe you shouldn't say. Anything that comes up, it will, your mind will know what needs to be said, right? Trusting yourself again. And a lot of people say they're shocked how much is already on the surface ready to be said you get it all out when your timer beeps after 10 minutes you just you breathe deeply you trust that your mind is letting go your body your heart are letting go and you tear it into teeny little pieces and you breathe and you just you throw it all away and you walk away and you trust that that is processing and is done and that you've let go and you will you will feel the grip of that stress and that experience loosen because the fear is what has the tension, the pressure, the stress. It's That is what makes stress so heavy, the pushing, the pressure, the fear, the not looking at it. When you free that, there is nothing there anymore except lightness and space. Well, Lindsay, it sounds to me like we've just scratched the surface on things that uh, people can do and ways that you can help them uh, to overcome these stresses and really find this balanced, joyful life uh, if people want to learn more, or they want to connect with you to figure out, you know, uh, what what they should be doing or how you might be able to help them. What's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Yeah, just check out Lindsay V L Y N D S E Y V dot com or Lindsay V on social media and love to connect, come into businesses and we we go to powerful places. And Spencer, you do so much work with teams. You've done it for decades. Uh, helping teams improve their performance. Uh, if people want to learn how they can uh, help their teams uh, become high-performing teams, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Say hi. And we'll All right, talk. Christian. No, you don't. Don't go without telling them how they get get a hold of Reconto. Ah, same. You know, LinkedIn. I it's feel easy like to that's look. a way to shred through Reconto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for someone like me who doesn't like to write, maybe I could just record all my frustrations and then delete it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'll give that a shot. I'll try that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm happy to connect with anybody. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just look up Christian Napier and uh, be, be uh, honored to connect with you all. So listeners, viewers, thank you so much for your participation today. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. We'll catch you again soon. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you.